Hello, fantasy football community. You're here again for another Fantasy On Tap podcast, a podcast where we talk about fantasy football and beer. I'm your host, Nate McAllister, and as always, we got Jimmy Boogie Borges back at it like a crack addict, uh, spitting that fantasy truth. James, what's going on? What's up, big dog? N-A-T-E-D-O-double-G. Just chilling, man. Really excited about this beer. Really excited about this podcast. Uh, Football season's getting closer by the days, which means fantasy football drafts are coming even quicker. So I'm really excited to be on the show today and uh, share the fantasy truth with all of our guests. Hashtag fantasy truth. All right. Today for the beer, we got a – so this is kind of – we had a – one of the listener, listeners, he recommended a beer for us. Um, I went searching for it. It was, at, it was supposed to be at Whole Foods. I don't have a Whole Foods locally to me, so um, I checked the next closest place I thought, which was uh, Trader Joe's. And I couldn't find it there, but I was able to find this beer that I found kind of interesting. Um, it's Boatswain Chocolate Stout. Uh, this is a 12-ounce can, which was kind of cool. They sell them singles over there or by the Sixer. Uh, this is a 12-ounce can. It was only 84 cents, so it's uh, not much of a risk to purchase it. Um, 5.4 alcohol content. Um, yeah, Boatswain Stout. James, anything about the Boatswain Stout chocolate beer? I think the Boatswain Chocolate Stout was like our last two segments. Uh, bargain bin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I made a shout-out to Trader Joe's, by the way. Uh, went by there. Uh, that's where that's where I got my beer. Nate Nate sent me on a mission. Went did a little grocery shopping. Went got a little beer shopping. Bought it by the single, like Nate said, which kind of made me excited. Uh, they're basically sing, uh, selling single cigarettes, but in this case, single beers for eighty four cents. <laughs> if you haven't been um, to a store that sells single c- cigarettes, you ain't living. <laughs> you're not living. Uh, anyways, bought the beer. I like chocolate stouts. Um, one of my favorite beers is actually a chocolate stout that I'm not going to mention right now. Um, for 84 cents, it's not that good, but it's not that bad. <laughs> it's what you expect for 84 cents. Um, when most people think of stouts, they think of Guinness. And it has that huge coffee, huge chocolate, full body taste. And that's what this is kind of missing. It's missing the full body. It has a taste, but it's not that thick. It's like a watered down version. I was um, just going to say that. It's like really like light it's like a um guinness light it's a light stout (laughs) (laughs) little stout shit like i don't know it's it's pretty good i mean it's fine i would drink it for 84 cents i mean i would take one down i mean if i was getting like a little mixer of the sixer um i get a couple 84 centers they have that little 64 center at the end um if i'm going for a cheap beer day bargain bin style i mean i'll throw the boats weighing on there again it's not too bad this this is what you do dude you're bored on friday night and you ain't got nowhere to go, and you want something to do, go down to Trader Joe's, buy yourself some bargain bin beers for 84 cents, mix it up in a six-packer, and, and see what your draft results are. Rank them, <laughs> drink them, and then, and, then, and then rank them afterwards and see where they would actually fall in your draft. All right, well, enough about the uh, chocolate stout. It's time to tap that fantasy keg. Um, today, we're going to be talking about top 10 running backs for 2019. Uh, you there's a couple big disclaimers I want to put in here or things to remember. 
Remember, this is all half point per reception rankings. And the big disclaimer is these are year in prediction totals uh, without holdouts. Um, there's a lot of holdouts on the table right now. we got Melvin Gordon, Zeke, um, some of these dudes. But this is without holdouts. This is like kind of perfect situation. We thought this was the best way to present this to you guys um, because otherwise if they sign a contract in five days or something like that, all this gets thrown out the window. So uh, we wanted to bring it this way. Um, obviously, things will be adjusted for holdouts and injuries all the way up until the start of the season. Uh, so follow us on Instagram at Fantasy on Tap for all the updated rankings. All right. So uh, we went down and made uh, two rankings. Uh, James has a ranking over there, the boogeyman. And uh, I made my rankings. And we put a consensus ranking there as well. So um, first man on the consensus ranking is none other than my boy in Dallas, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Jimmy had him number one. I had him number one. We know there's some uh, shit going on over there, but uh, that did not deter us thus far. So uh, Jimmy's going to take the lead on Zeke. Z Jimmy, how do you feel about Zeke? Who am I excited to talk about? Ezekiel Elliott. He gets my, butt, my blood pumping. Uh, I mentioned it the your last butt, two episodes. What's that now? He gets your butt pumping too, is what you say? Uh, sometimes it depends on if it's Sunday or not. Um, <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott, number 21 from the Dallas Cowboys. This boy is six foot, 228 pounds. He's only 24 years old. He ran a 4.4740. Okay. His draft, he was drafted in the 2016 draft, round number one, pick number four out of Ohio State. He is a one-time All-Pro. He's a two-time Pro Bowler, and he was part of the 2016 All-Rookie Team. Um, his 2018 stats, he played in 15 games, 304 rush attempts, 413, uh, 1,434 yards, six touchdowns for an average of 4.7 he caught 77 balls for 567 yards, 7.4 average, and three touchdowns. He went for over 2,000 yards total. Um, he had nine total uh, TDs. Um, one stat that you're going to hear me call out in every running back, so I might as well just do it right here, is I looked up all of the yak um, yards after contact. And the reason that I'm kind of interested in that stat is I wanted to see, are they the ones that are cre uh, creating a lot of these yards or is it their offensive line or is it a combination of the both? Um, so he was ranked out of all running backs last year, number three with 718 yards after contact. He was number five in rushing with 595 yards after contact. And he was number 10 in receiving with 123 yards after contact. 5.8. 58.5% of his rush yards come after contact. And he was number 11 in broken tackles. So what you're saying is he's a, he's a beast. Dude, feed him. Feed him, okay? Like he, like he asked for, he puts his spoon out there and he shows you he's eating. Um, he's also had the most rush attempts since he's been in the league. He gets fed the most. Uh, one other part of each running back's game I'm going to be talking about is their offensive line. Um, I love offensive line. I, I like how it affects the running game. So I'm going to quickly go over the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. 
They have Tyron Smith, left tackle, two-time All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler. They have Connor Williams, their left guard. He's a second-year pro. He has great draft pedigree. In uh, the 2018 draft, he was the second a second-round pick, 18th overall. They have Travis Frederick back from uh, at center. He missed all of last year with um, a disease that sidelined uh, side him. He's a one-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. They got Zach Martin at right guard, who's a three-time All-Pro and a five-time Pro Bowler. They got Lael Collins at right tackle, who was an undrafted free agent but had a first-round first pedigree. He fell out of the draft because, uh, unfortunately, his girlfriend was, was murdered right before the draft. Um, they drafted a guy in the second round to be a backup guard, Connor McGovern, um, their backup uh, center when Travis went down last year. Uh, he came in and he performed at a high level. They have arguably the best offensive line in the last five years, and they are loaded with depth at the offensive line. Their head coach is Jason Garrett. He was around during the Emmett Smith era. He saw the great wall of Dallas. And since he's been their head coach, that has been their mantra. They draft offensive linemen and they want to pound the ball. Um, yeah, you and I both love, love uh, offensive lines in front seven. And it just it gets you really excited to see an offensive line um, as good as the one in Dallas, especially when they get healthy. You know, last year it was kind of – I know I felt it, and I'm not even a Dallas fan, and I felt it when Frederick went down. It just felt re- – it felt terrible, you know, because you knew that that's the, that's the leader of that offensive line. He calls out all the plays. I, I, uh, I talked about Zeke a little bit on my first episode about like my can't miss player just because I think how good he is. And it starts all with that offensive line. It does. And even, I mean, I said it, Travis Frederick is a one-time all pro and he's a four-time pro bowler. I mean, that's huge to lose a guy like that. And he still ran for 1,434 yards, led the league in rushing, even without him in. All right. To continue on with some other points, this is what scares me about Ezekiel Elliott. So Nate put out the disclaimer. uh, We're not going to take in accounts for holdouts or for injuries, but we're still going to talk about it um, just to warn you and kind of give you a heads up. This is something that you need to look out for just in case it does carry on into the season. So Ezekiel Elliott right now is a holdout. Okay. Then we had a report that came out that said he was in Cabo San Lucas. Um, Yesterday, Jerry Jones, (laughs) Jerry Jones came on and uh, made a couple announcements. He was super upset because he supported Zeke. Um, through all of his problems, he had the Vegas incident. He he pulled a girl's shirt up. Um, he has domestic violence allegations. He has immaturity immaturity situations. And, and Jerry's backed him his whole career and put his neck out there for him. And and Jerry, I think, finally had enough. Yesterday, Jerry said we could win a championship without the the NFL's rushing leader. I don't know if I believe that. But right doubtful. now, the, I'll put the doubtful tag out there without Ezekiel Elliott. I don't even think they win that division. High, highly doubtful. I agree with you 100%. I think Jerry Jones is just upset right now. So this is something you need to really pay attention to and, and see how far um, this goes into the preseason, maybe ultimately into the season. Um, another big announcement came out today. The Dallas Cowboys are being sued for $20 million. Uh, apparently for covering up an Ezekiel Elliott car accident that happened in 2015, which is crazy. These are, these are serious allegations. Number one, 
the the claim is stating that Zeke was knocked out with a concussion and they didn't report it. So he wouldn't be held out of the playoff game versus the Packers. And number two, they're allegating the police conspired with the Dallas Cowboys to kind of cover this up. That is a huge story. That is something you need to pay attention to. Try to read every day if you're thinking about um, drafting this guy. And then just really quick, my last concern is, is Travis Frederick going to return to form? We know what player he was. We know what player he's capable of being. But until I see it with my own eyes, I can't guarantee Travis Frederick's going to come back and be the same player that he was. I know that was a lot of information. I'm going to be throwing a lot of information at you guys today. But, Nate, I want to hear what you got to say. What are you going to add on to this? No, I mean, I like I said, I talked about Zeke in my first one. He's my can't-miss player of 2019. That's my first-round can't-miss player. I think that if I had pick 1-1 one, one right now, I'm taking Zeke for sure. Uh, all of this cloudiness um, is definitely murking it up. And um, I will have to monitor. Uh, most of my drafts aren't taking place for a while. Most people's drafts aren't going to be taking place for a little bit, but they're going to be coming into August. You're going to be starting the draft. So just monitor this closely. Um, if anything else comes up and you look like, hey, maybe Zeke won't play or he, he's uh, going to have less and less of a chance, um, he's going to get in trouble by the NFL, monitor it, adjust your uh, draft boards and uh, pick him accordingly. Um, there's a lot of other good running backs out there, but I mean, there's, if he plays though, you don't miss. I mean, he is a monster, absolute monster. I profiled it. He had the, he led the league and carries his uh, first three years in the league. I mean, he's an absolute beast. He's going to get fed. He's going to get targets. He's going to, he learned to catch the ball last year. You mentioned that. Would you say 77 receptions? I mean, 77 so, receptions. Yeah. I mean, that was his, always his knock. And so now he's catching the ball. Um, 77 receptions is nothing to laugh about at, at the running back position. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm all in on Zeke. I think, uh, no, there's not really anything else I can add besides uh, draft this man um, if everything is fine. Um, at this point, I would still be drafting him. But, yeah, just, draft him. Just one more thing really quick. The reason I have him at number one is I think they have the best offensive line in the NFL paired with one of the best running backs. So from both of those aspects, you have nothing to worry about. If he if he's injured a little bit, the offensive line's going to carry. If the offensive line gets injured a little bit, they've got the depth, and he could create plays on his own. On his own. And plus, Dak Dak is playing better. So when Dak's playing better, he's going to keep defenses honest. Um, with Amari Cooper out there and Michael Gallup stretching the field a little bit, uh, no, it's a good situation. All right, let's move on to uh, our consensus number two. It is the man in New York, Saquon Barkley. Um, Jimmy, you had him ranked at running back three. I had him also ranked at running back three. Um, it's a little bit off, I think, of his ADP, but uh, tell me why. Saquon Barkley. God, man, this is going to be my favorite guy to talk about um, after profiling and looking at, at, at of all his stats. This guy probably has me the most excited out of any running back um, going into this draft. So Saquon Barkley, he's number 26 of the New York Giants. He's five foot 11, 233 pounds. Um, I'm not going to tell you his 40 because I'm going to get into that later. Um, he was offensive rookie of the year, uh, 2018, all rookie team. And uh, he's also a pro bowler. Mentioned that was his rookie season last year. He's only has one year in the, uh, one season in the, in the NFL. He was taking in the first round of the 2018 draft pick number two out of the whole draft out of Penn State. 
This was his 2018 stats, his rookie stats. He played in 16 games. He had 261 rush attempts, 1,307 yards, 11 touchdowns, average of five yards per carry, 91 receptions, 721 yards, 7.9 average, and four touchdown receiving touchdowns. He also totaled over 2,000 yards. He had 15 total TDs. He was number one in yards after contact. He created 931 yards after contact. He was number one in rush yak. He created 736 yards after contact. The next closest guy was Todd Gurley. And Todd Gurley, he had 700 and sorry, 730. So he bested him by almost 200 yards. <laughs> the next, the next closest guy. His receiving yak was was second overall among running backs with 195 and 56.3 of his rush yards came after contact. This guy could create without an elite offensive line. But I'm going to hold on to – I'm going to mention them in just a second. All right, Nate. You said that uh, Zeke was a man beast. This is all I remember about uh, Saquon Barkley before he was drafted. Okay. He's stronger than Joe Thomas. In the bench press, Saquon Barkley did 29 reps and Joe Thomas did 28. He's quicker than Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson was 1.55. His was 1.54. He's faster than Devin Hester. In the 40-yard dish, uh, Devin Hester ran a 4.43. He ran a 4.4 flat. He jumps higher than Julio Jones. The vertical jump, Julio Jones jumped 30 and a half inches, and he jumped 41 inches. This guy is a generational-type athlete. I'm just going to say that one more time. Stronger than Hall of Fame All-Pro Joe Thomas, and these were all of their numbers at the draft combine. Quicker than Deshaun Jackson, and we know how fast he is. Faster than Devin Hester, and jumped higher than none other than Julio Jones. This guy is the definition of man beast as far as it comes to NFL athletes. All no, right. no, no. He's a bo- 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 beast for sure. No, that is not um, my like knock on him. And I, I know it's not really a knock. I only put him at three. But my concern and why I would draft CMC and Zeke ahead of him is just the, uh, the team he's on. That's, that's my only concern is that team he's on. Obviously, the weapons are dropping like flies over there. All his wide receivers are getting hurt. Um, Eli Manning's going to be the dude. And even if Eli Manning isn't the dude, the rookie that they drafted, who, who <laughs> cares about him? I mean, it is a terrible team. All they got to do is focus on him. Uh, that's my big knock that that it would scare me a little bit. That's why I wouldn't draft him 1-1 like a lot of people are doing. All right, well, let me tell you a little bit. So that was just a teaser. So remember, he's number one in yards after contact. This guy, regardless of what is uh, his offensive line, which I haven't even got to yet, whether they're good or not, this dude creates plays. He was number one in rush and number two in receiving yak. This dude, he creates his own yards. He creates his own player, his own plays. And that's why I wanted to kind of describe him as an athlete. But now as far as his offensive line, their left tackle, he's Nate Solder. They uh, signed him as a free agent from New England. They drafted Will Hernandez in the second round of the 2018 draft, number 34 overall out of UTEP. He was part of the all-rookie NFL team last year. 
I think he's the baddest. I think he's the baddest Mexican offensive lineman since Munoz. <laughs> oh man, dude, Munoz is 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 the best. There's not even an argument about that. I don't know. I'd have that would be another conversation, but he's a anyway. bad dude. He he worked out with the Dallas Cowboys offensive line before the draft, so I was crazy about him looking him up. Dude's a beast. Uh, their center position is sketchy as heck. They've got a guy named John Halipio and another guy named Spencer Pooley who are going to be competing with each other. One of them was a six-round pick by New England. The other guy was an undrafted uh, rookie from San Diego. Uh, they traded for Kevin Zeitler as their right guard. And uh, that guy has a first-round pedigree. He was drafted in the first round, 27th overall in the 2012 draft by the Saints. He was traded to the Pats. Then he was traded to the Browns. And then he was traded finally to the Giants for Olivier Vernon. This guy is a great player. He made second team all pro in 2016. Um, and then Mike Remmers is an undrafted free agent from the Broncos. Uh, this is his eighth team. He is a journeyman. With that being said, that gives you three good possessions. Your left tackle, your left guard, and your right guard. This is the best offensive line that the, that the uh, Giants have had since they won the Super Bowl. And I know it's kind of scary, the center and right tackle position, but three out of five are locked down. And he's already proven he can make the yards with or without a good offensive line because last year uh, Will Hernandez was a rookie and they didn't have Kevin Zeitler. So I'm actually expecting their offensive line to be a little bit better. Um, what scares me about him, there's no more OBJ. The, arguably the best wide receiver um, in the NFL uh man giants fans you guys you guys must be hurting deep down inside because you guys potentially have the best wide receiver and the best running back in the nfl on the same team just giving me nightmares checking my bed every night being a cowboys fan for obj and saquon barkley but you guys traded him because you guys are idiots but the good news is okay last year he only had 77 receptions for 1052 yards and only six total 2D, uh, TDs, they could make up that production. Last year, they had already switched over, and Saquon was the focal point of their offense. They got Golden Tate, who's supposed to, quotation marks, take over for OBJ. He had 74 receptions, 795 yards, and four TDs between two teams last year. So he is suspended the first four games, but when he does come back, I do expect him to, to – make up OBJ's last year's production or come close to it. And they have several other people that can kind of eat that up. Um, Eli Manning, he had trash, a, trash. He went 4,300 yards, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He had a rating of 92.4, which is not horrible. He basically became a manager and he dumped off. Let me say this again, 91 receptions. He caught the ball a lot. Okay, that's that's almost as many receptions, especially if in your half point PPR, of of some wide receivers, and he still carried the ball for thirteen hundred and seven yards. This guy could create his own yards, both in the running game and the passing game. The offensive line is going to be upgraded. I think he's going to have an even better season this year. What do you got to say about him, Nate? Board for sure. Like, I think that he's going to be a very tough running back. He's going to give you a ton of upside. He catches the ball, so he has a really safe floor. He did things as a rookie that no other running back has done. 
he's going to be great. I just think if, uh, I mean, if he falls to me anywhere later than the pick three, then I'm going to be extremely happy. Um, if I have pick one or two, then I won't be having any uh, shares of Saquon Barkley. But anything three or after, I'm taking him for sure. Um, yeah, like you said, he's a man beast. He crushes fools for fun. Um, no, I like him a lot. I know that's how you feel about him, but I, if, if I could get him with the first or second pick, I'm going to be elated. He is one of the safest picks. You don't have to worry about injury. You don't have to worry about holdout. Uh, he's a young buck, and he's a generational-type uh, athlete. So, anyways, Nate, we are getting to the number three man on the list, no other than Christian McCaffrey, okay? I had him ranked number five. Nate, you had him ranked number two. I want to know why you're taking CMC number two if you get the chance in your draft. Oh, no, there's no doubt I'm going to take CMC, the great white hope, at the number two pick if I get a chance. And to be honest, with um, all this Zeke scare, um, I might even just move him up to number one, hold out or not. Uh, I just hate character issues. And I think CMC, he hasn't shown any of them. So, um, CMC, what more do I need to say? The dude's a monster. Currently, CMC's ADP is anywhere from uh, three to four. It's kind of in between three and four. Um, he, last year, he finished as RB3 in 2018. He averaged 20.8 points per game. That's fifth most um, in the NFL out of any other running back. In 2018, he had 1,100 yards on the ground and 867 yards through the air and 13 touchdowns. That's 1,965 total yards. 1,965 total yards. That is an absolute monster, but it gets better. He led the team in targets with 124 targets and receptions with 107 receptions. He had 107 receptions. That's, most than, that's more than most of a wide receiver ones throughout the NFL. He has proven that he can run between the tackles, and he's durable because he's played in all 16 games, both of his first two seasons. He's had 57% uh, of the Panthers carries inside the five. That would be where people would maybe have a little bit of a knock about CMC is, is he going to get the carries inside? Is he going to be able to bang through the tackles? And yeah, they trusted him 57% of the time. And I think probably the other carries I would imagine, I mean, I didn't look this up, but I think the other carries may have been, you know, Cam Newton pushing, pushing in because Cam Newton, I think had like uh, eight or 10 rushing touchdowns last year. So, um, but anyway, inside the five, uh, he had 57% of the carries. That's fourth most uh, carries inside the red zone. Um, Carolina had the 11th best run blocking line last year. Uh, Cam Newton is healthy this year, so that should keep defenses honest. Um, outside of injury, I really can't see any, any reason why CMC would finish outside of running back three. Uh, he's incredibly safe. Uh, he's a serious threat to break 2,000 total yards. I'm taking CMC no matter what. Uh, running back two, for sure. You have anything to say about my man, Christian McCaffrey, the great white hope? Christian McCaffrey, if you're going to mention him, you got to give a shout out to his dad, longtime uh, wide receiver for the uh, Denver Broncos, a.k.a. Uh, the great, great white hope senior. Um, we like to call CMC great white hope junior. He should put that on his jersey. Um, I agree with you 100% as far as being a safe pick. I actually have him as the second safe running back to take in any draft. Um, but why do you have him? Is, can I ask you this question? Why do you have him at five? What's up? I mean, you're looking, 
you're, you would rather uh, some of these other guys be f- besides CMC? Five seems a little late to me. Um, well, mine original, I have Zeke. Okay. Can't argue with that. Number two, I had Gurley. Okay. And Gurley's production, he's been doing it way longer. So I took that into kind of account too. Uh, CMC, he's had two years worth of production. Gurley has five years worth of production. Or I'm sorry, it might be four years. Don't let me lie to you. He has four years. He has double the production. Gurley also has, I don't want to dive too deep into it because I got to talk about him later. So I'm sure. going to cut that out. Uh, Saquon, I think, is a better athlete than him, even though the stats don't lie. Um, CMC had a better season last year. I like Kamara a little bit better. I had him at number four. I like CMC, but my thing is he's like a one-man wrecking crew, kind of like what you were describing. I know it's going to help having um, <clears throat> having Cam Newton back with a healthy arm. Definitely is going to help him a lot. Um, if they could get the number one wide receiver sorted out, then that's going to help him a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything really to dislike about him. I mean, he's a top five running back. He's my second safest running back. I mean – I don't know. It's just, I guess, a, a, I guess it's preference. Um, I just like how long the other guys have been in, and I think Saquon is a generational-type player. I've only seen CMC do it for one season. I've seen uh, Kamara do it for two seasons, and I've also seen Saquon only do it for one season, but Saquon did it at a, at a higher level. So that's where I would defend putting him number five on the list. Sure. No, I, I completely agree. I can see the one season thing might be my only, only, only knock on this man, but no, I, uh, I couldn't go away from him. If I'm looking at pick two, I can't go away from CMC. That's a, that's a fact. Um, so then we move on to number four consensus pick. That's Alvin Kamara. Don't be, I can't be mistaken with Alvin and the chipmunks. He is, uh, he's small as him, but, um, he's way more dynamic than Alvin in that little red shirt. So uh, Alvin was four in our consensus ranking, and Jimmy had him at four as well. I had him actually at five. Um, what about Kamara? Wants you to, wa- makes you want to pick him at four. Alvin Kamara, the third, number forty-one from the New Orleans Saints. This boy is five foot ten, two hundred and fifteen yards, 20, 24 years old. He ran a four-five-six forty. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. 2017 AP Offensive Rookie of the Year, 2017 All-Rookie Team, and he was a second-team All-Pro. He was drafted in the 2017 draft, round number three, pick number 67. The Saints straight stole him out of the draft, out of tennis. All right, let's dive into his 2018 stats. He played in 15 games, had 194 rush attempts, Went for 883 yards. This is the banger right here. 14 rushing touchdowns. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry. He had 81 receptions, 709 yards, 8.8 receiving average, and four touchdowns. He had 1,592 total yards. He had 18 total TDs. Uh, He was only 10th in yak. Um, yards after contact, 596 total yards after contact, um, which tells me he's kind of relying a little bit too much on the offensive line to do more work. Even though he did rank number four in receiving yak, he seems to be a little bit more better receiver than he is um, at rushing. 
47.5% of his rushing yards came after contact. I'm going to dive right into his offensive line. So left tackle is Teron um, Armstead. This guy, when he's healthy, he could be one of the best left tackles in all of NFL. Unfortunately, he's missed 21 games the last three seasons. Damn. <laughs> which is horrible. Okay. Um, he does have a one Pro Bowl to his name. Um, left guard is Andrews Pete. He was the 13th overall pick in the 2015 NFL draft. So he does have some uh, draft pedigree. Um, he, they usually throw him out at left tackle these last three seasons when Teron goes down. Um, center, huge loss. They lost Max Unger. He's a one-time All-Pro or three-time Pro Bowler. He retired. Um, they, re- they found his replacement in the uh, second round of this year's uh, draft. His name's Eric McCoy. Um, he was drafted out of uh, Texas A&M. He's expected to start. Uh, was he, the, he was the first center taken off the board? He was, and they, and they traded up. They had the six, 62nd overall pick in the second round, and they went up to number 48 to go get this guy. Um, they didn't have a first-rounder because they traded it last year. So this, this guy was high on their board, and, and they identified him as a need, and they went after and got him. Um, they've got Larry Warford. At right guard, he's a two-time Pro Bowler. And they got Ryan Ramchek. He was a second-team All-Pro, and uh, he's been to the Pro Bowl one time. Uh, Out of all the information and the research that I found, that I read, um, they they regarded Larry Warford and Ryan Ramchek as the best right side of any um, NFL offensive line. Uh, Better than Dallas, better than the Steelers, better than anybody you want to throw out there. Uh, the town of those two, most of their runs go to the right. So that is definitely the strength of their offensive line. Um, left tackle scares me a little bit, uh, but they have uh, drafted and they have a lot of uh, depth in their offensive line. So it doesn't scare me too much. Uh, they got Sean Payne as their head coach. He's awfully regarded as one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. He has legendary quarterback Drew Brees back there keeping uh, the defenses honest. And they have arguably the best wide receiver in the league, Michael Thomas, um, keeping those eight defenders out of the box, kind of allowing him to do what he does. Um, if somehow you got the chance, would you uh, would you stack Kamara and Thomas on the same fantasy team? Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that's just one of my draft philosophies. I mean, man, it would be hard not to. Uh, I mean, I don't. You, I don't think you could ever have the opportunity unless you're playing with some freaking idiots. But uh, I mean, that's <laughs> something, to think, something to think about. Like Kamara and it, Thomas, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, it is. It's also scary though if Drew Brees goes down. A um, couple things that keeps me up at night is they lost Mark Ingram, and this is debatable. Um, some see him as a loss because of his running style. He uh, was their early down back. He wore out their defense. Um, I see it as a, as a plus um, because he gets more chances for production. Um, last year, Mark Ingram was out, what, the first six games? Yeah. The first six games of, of the last season. And his stats got better from what they did, except for his, rough, his rushing average. His rushing average went down a little bit. But besides that, the production was still there. Um, Another major thing. Any fears of him wearing down by not, I mean, be getting ran more? 
I mean, they did add the um, old running back from the Raiders and Vikings. Jerick, oh no, not Jerick McKinnon. You're talking about a uh... big dude. Anyway, not Matt. that Anyways. guy. They added that guy to kind of be that <clears throat> mark role. But are you scared of him getting worn down a little bit? I'm not really. War- I'm not scared of him going down. I mean, this is only going to be his uh, his third year. I'm not and, talking about injury. I'm just saying maybe wearing down a little bit. No, I don't. I just don't, man. He's. I mean, if you hear guys talk about him, if you read about him, he is such a unique player. I mean, he might be a better wide receiver than he is running back, but he's still not a bum. I mean, he only had 194 rush attempts, and he churned out 883. Him and CMC – I think they're like right there with each other. They're like, I think CMC is a better version of Kamara because he's better built as a running back. And obviously he had more receptions, but Kamara's done it over two years. And the first year he had to share with Mark Ingram and last year he got a little bit more freedom. We're going to get the chance to see him be the man where CMC he's been the man his first two years and his second year we saw production. So that's what excites me about, Alvin Kamara is, I mean, what, what can he be this year? Latavius Murray. That's the name. I, was, I just got it. Latavius Murray. <clears throat> Anything else you want to add on to that, Nate? What you got? Um, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. My only concern about Kamara, and it was the same last year, it, I kind of had Kamara and CMC. I underranked them last year, and that was a huge fault of mine. But Kamara is just – he doesn't get a ton of attempts. It's not going to be – death by volume like some of these other running backs we named he's going to get his carries and he's going to average uh what is what was his yard for carry it was like five point his five point five or something like that you're talking about kamara yeah kamara last year averaged 4.6 oh i thought it was over five but i mean he's just really efficient you know so he's going to get his carries he's going to get his receptions and then if his touchdown total dips at all that's scary because he's not getting the volume um, that these other guys are getting on the ground, that little safety net. Um, he is getting it there as a wide receiver, but um, if, his, if his volume at touchdowns dips at all, if Drew Brees regresses, if that Max Unger um, deal is more, he meant more to that offensive line than we're anticipating. Uh, if the rookie doesn't step in and immediately replace him. I mean, these are huge concerns to me. I still would not let him slip past number five, but, uh, that he that's why he doesn't enter that like consensus number four everyone kind of has him at four and I drop him a little bit down just because of that and I'd even still kind of be scared at five if I'm running Alvin Kamara as my running back one out there I'm happy because of his how dynamic he is but I'm a little bit concerned on a week-to-week basis just not having like steady points I think that he'd be a little bit unpredictable this is, this is my thing is <clears throat> Kamara is my third safest. So you have Barkley, number one, CMC, number two, Kamara, number three. Zeke has his issues. Gurley's going to have his issues, what I'm going to talk about, even though I have him rated higher if you were to draft him. I think Kamara is really safe. I mean, they have an explosive o- uh, offense. You know Sean Payton is going to use him. He's like a beefed-up version of Reggie Bush. He can run the ball better. He's more durable. He has great hands. And I just – First year was great. Second year was better. This is about to be his third year. We're going to really see what he can do. Sure. Yeah, I uh, I guess we're going to find out. All right, moving on down the line. Uh, We're going to number five. 
and that is uh, your man you just named earlier. This is Todd Gurley. He got bumped up a lot because Jimmy had him at running back too. Those are where he thinks he's going to finish the year at um, if health isn't a burden. And uh, I put him at running back eight. Um, I kind of was looking at him. I, I, I honestly don't think health is going to be a huge issue to him. I think he's going to be on the field. I just think that the Rams are going to take a little bit more of a reserve approach, um, play Henderson a little bit more, maybe take some of the, some of his carries away. And without the volume, he's going to be a little tougher. So uh, Gurley, number five, James, defend the fact of putting him at number two. Defend it. All right. Todd Gurley, number 30, the L.A. Rams, six foot one, 224 pounds. He's 24 years old. Didn't run the 40 at the combine because he previously had tore his ACL. He's a two-time All-Pro and a three-time Pro Bowler. Okay, He was drafted in the 2015 draft, round one, pick number 10 out of Georgia. Um, as I mentioned before, he would have been picked a lot higher in that draft if he didn't suffer that ACL injury um, before the draft. His, his, uh, I believe it was his junior season. Um, his 2018 stats, he played in 14 games, had 256 rushing attempts, 1,251 yards. In only 14 games, he had 17 rushing touchdowns for an average of 4.9 yards per rush, 59 receptions for 580 yards for a 9.8 average, and added another four touchdowns catching him total he had 21 touchdowns okay this guy has 40 touchdowns over the last two years and in his four-year career okay this guy has 56 touchdowns total this guy is a touchdown machine he's averaging double digit touchdowns every single year um he had 1831 total yards He's number two at yards after contact, 730 yards. Number three in rushing, number 12 in receptions in Yak. 50% of his rushing yards come after contact, okay? This guy, I was crazy about him um, when, I mean, like, you guys will get to know me. I follow every NFL draft. When Adrian Peterson was coming out, man, I wanted Jerry Jones to do whatever he had to do to draft this guy. And when this guy came out, Gurley came out, I followed him. I watched all of his highlight tapes. He's basically the second coming of Adrian Peterson in my eyes from all the research I've done and just watching him on film. Um, that's why I'm so in love with this dude. Adrian Peterson's one of my favorite running backs of all time. And this is why I ranked him number two. Number one, his touchdown production, his ability to create yards, uh, on his own, both uh, running. He's number two in running, number 12 in receiving. Uh, he's just a beast. His offensive line, let's jump into that. Their left tackle, and I profiled him last week uh, when we did bargain bin running backs, and you're going to kind of hear a couple of disclaimers I got to say about this guy. Uh, their left tackle is Andrew Whitworth, two-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. This dude is 38 years old. He's older than dirt. Their left guard is Bobby Evans. He is a third-round pick out of this last draft, 97th overall out of Oklahoma. 
So they just got this guy. Brian Allen, he was a fourth-round pick out of Michigan State in 2018. So this is his second season. Austin Blythe is a guy they picked up off of waivers. And their right tackle is Rob um, Havenstein, who I just wrote down, solid veteran. So they basically have a all-pro left tackle who's older than dirt. And then they have a third-rounder at left guard, a fourth-rounder at center, Austin Blythe at right guard, who is just a journeyman, and Rob Havenstein, who's not a bum. Um, he's not a pro bowler. He's not an all-pro. They say he's a solid right tackle. So I would say their offensive line is decent at best. The last two of their uh, starters, their left guard and their center, one left for free agency. One is still out there. He's not that good. They've drafted three offensive linemen in the last two drafts to kind of counteract their aging offensive line. Nate, do you want to add anything on before I get into the cons? Because I have some deep cons on this guy. Um, but you I want to give you, you a chance. I have too many deep cons that you're running back to. Um, no, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I like the uh, – I, I really love the scheme that Todd Gurley's in. I like the L.A. Rams. I almost called them the St. Louis Rams. But the L.A. Rams um, system over was, there, they have a, they have a great just, offense. Fun fact, he was drafted by the St. Louis Rams. But uh, the L.A. Rams over, they have a great offense. Sean McVay, he's a mastermind. I mean, he does good things with Jared Goff, who I think is just an average quarterback. Um, They have three really good wide receivers over there. We'll see how Cooper Cup comes back. Um, They have Brandon Cooks, which I've profiled before. And they have Robert Woods, who's a solid wide receiver. These are all guys that are like – they don't really have a wide receiver one. They have like wide receiver 1A, 1B, 1C, and I wouldn't even – know where to rank those or where to put those guys on that um, like you said they have a good offensive line they have a very dynamic off our defense who's going to really keep them in games get them turnovers with those really good corners and now they added uh, clay matthews who's a monster and then we can't talk, we can't talk enough about aaron donald that just man child in the middle ripping people up he takes on uh double teams like no man i've ever seen just destroying people and getting a lot of like strip sacks or just sacks that end drives and give the offense another chance. Uh, they're going to be grinding out a lot of games, but that's my problem is I think that once they start grinding out a lot of those games, uh, that's when you're going to see the, the backup running backs start to come in and they may be shy away from using Gurley, especially with this type of knee injuries. I'm, I just, I'm concerned a little bit about that. That's why he dropped down on my list, but I still – um, feel really comfortable. I think he's going to play. I think uh, I kind of believe what the Rams are saying that he's going to be ready. We're not going to see a lot of him in the in the preseason, so you're not going to know. So it's going to be kind of a blind pick, and you're probably going to get a really good value if you end up taking uh, Todd Gurley. So yeah, that's what I got. What are these What are these cons you speak of, James Boogie Borges? All right. So the cons. So you mentioned one of them is uh, well. You said that they have a, a decent offensive line. I think it's decent at best. It's old, but it doesn't scare me as much, like I said before, just because he's number two in yards after contact. Dude can make his own yards if he wanted to. But what does scare me is his injury history. He may, he missed two games last year. If you listen to last week's podcast, I mentioned it. Um, they said he injured himself in week one, and he has to be tough as nails because he played almost the whole year. Uh, what that injury and it progressively got worse as the year went on. Um, 
He was non-existent in the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl, which leads me to my next point. I don't trust him or the LA Rams organization. I don't, I don't, can't trust what they're saying. They, they didn't put him on the injury report every single week. They said he's fine. He's okay. He's okay. Well, why isn't he playing the last two games of the season when games counted, when they were fighting for position in the NFC playoff, um, NFC playoffs, uh, he yeah, killed it against the If you can't get it up during the uh, Super Bowl, then, I mean, yeah, there might be something wrong for sure. They rested him. He came back, and they destroyed the Cowboys. It breaks my heart to say, but it's the truth. He ran all over them in uh, the divisional round. Um, NFC Championship, non-existent. Super Bowl, really non-existent. So it scares me. All the reports I read, I want them to be true. I want them to be healthy uh, because the next point I'm about to make, and I got to give you credit. We, me and Nate talk every week. We don't just talk on this fantasy podcast. We love football. We talk about football 24-7, and Nate made an excellent point. His rookie year, he showed promise. His second year, Jeff Fisher didn't know how to use him, so he had a huge dip in production. He fell in that next draft, and whoever got him lucked out because he had a blow-up year. Nate, you had him. Yep. He won you the championship, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Won you the championship. Okay, so you had to keep him last year. So last year you kept him, okay, and he destroyed for you again until the last two games. He didn't, which is really only week 16 in fantasy world. He messed you up for one week. But if you went out and got his backup, you were fine. This year, you know, Nate mentioned if he gets thrown back or you're drafting him in another league, he's, he's not going to get took in second overall. He might, some guy out there might believe in him and believe the Rams and in the, in the organization and say, you know what, like this guy's going to be healthy and I'm going to take, take him and I believe in him. And that guy might be right. And he might get the best running back or second best running back in all of fantasy football. I, for one, am not going to take that risk. It's the first round unless they play him in the preseason, which they're not. And this guy is just killing it in the preseason. And this dude looks healthy as can be. Then I would take him, but I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of that. He's, he's your classic boom or bust pick. So you're, so the big question is, where do you take him? Where's the spot you feel comfortable taking uh, Todd Gurley? Oh, man. See, I have him on my do not draft list. And what I mean by that is, to me, he's not worth, he's not worth the risk. Even getting him in the second round, those first three or four rounds, they have to be solid picks that you can trust. I don't want to trust him. Everyone's going to have their threshold, but I'd rather let some other guy take that risk personally. So to add on top of that, I mentioned it in our last fantasy podcast. If you're going to get Gurley, you got to handcuff him with Darrell Henderson. And, and that's what scares me too, is if for some reason he isn't healthy and they're not telling the truth, or like Nate predicted, maybe they make him um, share more of the load with Henderson, who they drafted pretty early um, that his stats are going to drop. So you're either going to go out and draft Henderson to protect yourself. And which round do you take him in? You're going to be thinking about that that whole time because some other guy is going to be hoping to get him, not hoping like we said, but maybe Gurley does have an, an injury. He might, he might get took in earlier than what you expect. And that I don't want to have a worry like that going into my fantasy draft. If he is healthy though, I mean, you can't argue with this production. 40 touchdowns in the last two seasons. I mean, oh, second coming of Adrian Peterson. This guy, 
Oh man, he's just amazing. Yeah, I really like him. Um, I think my threshold is maybe round three, middle of round three. I would probably maybe late round three. I'd be um, all right taking him, kind of comfortable taking him at that point. Uh, but yeah, it's a risk it's in any league that you take him. It's a risk. He doesn't he doesn't come through for you. All right, enough with Todd Gurley. The next guy on our consensus um, fantasy league coming in at number six is uh, David Johnson, okay? I had David Johnson uh, ranked number eight. Nate, you had him ranked number four. Tell me what you love about David Johnson. Why are you taking him fourth overall? All right, David Johnson for the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, his current ADP per fat fantasy football calculator is pick six. Um, that's running back five. Um, Johnson's 2018 season was far from his 2016 breakout year, um, but it was still actually okay. I mean, you know, when I started writing this too, I kind of um, fell less and less in love with David Johnson. Um, I might be switching him up in my later picks, but um, right now I'm going to stick with my, with my four right here. Um, his 2018 campaign was good enough to finish as running back nine. And a lot of people would be kind of surprised by that because of the production that he had, because it wasn't, it wasn't explosive. It was just really steady every single game. He had 940 yards on the ground, 50 receptions. He had 446 yards and 55, uh, recept or 50 receptions. I'm sorry. Um, he had 10 total touchdowns. Uh, unfortunately, he only averaged 15.1 yards per game. Uh, that was the least points per game out of the top 10 running backs, which is pretty concerning to me. I like the points per game metric. A lot of the top 10 running backs didn't finish the, the an entire season. They were all, you know, anywhere from 12 games to Melvin Gordon all the way up to 16 games. And he was only averaging 15.1 points per game. That wasn't his fault. He had terrible quarterback play. His quarterbacks were Sam Bradford, Mike Glennon, and Josh Rosen. Those guys are all gone now, and now enters the number one pick overall, Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray, he's a stud. He looks like he's going to input uh, automatic, instant energy right into this team. He's going to be doing that new air raid offense. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about Kyler Murray, and I'm going to profile him a little bit later in some of the other things we do. But I think Kyler Murray's the perfect fit for this team. Uh, their O-line, it was awful as well. They ranked 25th in run blocking last year. Uh, but they added right tackle Marcus Gilbert from the Pittsburgh Steelers via trade last year. They added uh, right guard J.R. Sweezy, and they drafted Lamont Gaylord. Um, these aren't flashy by any means. No one's going to get really excited about any of these things. Um, but all of those players are serviceable players, and they've been, been in the league uh, for a while. So they're serviceable veterans that are hopefully sure up that bad offensive line. Um, so the offense was really bad as well. Not, not just the team. The offense was really bad. They didn't give him a lot of opportunities. Um, he only had 16 carries inside the 10-yard line. And now let's just put that in comparison. Even Peyton Barber, Peyton Barber from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ben Barber had 23 carries inside uh, the 10-yard line. Doug Martin had 17 carries inside the, inside the 10-yard line. So that's terrible to see DJ only, only see 16 carries, but still have a pretty decent outcome as running back nine. 
On a good note, though, and this is kind of a crazy stat that I, I didn't expect, he was the only running back in 2018 to get 100% of his team's carries inside the five-yard line. No one had more than, I believe it was 89%. No one, not even uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, and so that's, that's a pretty solid stat to me. Um, I think Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, um, in putting that air raid offense, uh, should give him a lot more opportunities. The offense should be a lot better. Kyler Murray should make the offense a lot better. So I foresee him having a, I don't know, probably somewhere inside of the uh, 23 range opportunity. He gains about seven opportunities inside the 10 yard line, um, giving a lot more chances for touchdowns. Uh, Johnson is also, he's pretty solid. Um, He's played 16 games um, in three of his four years in the league. Um, So my kind of breakdown for Johnson though, I'm going to be honest. Like I said earlier, um, I wrote this thing and I, I put my list out there after breaking people down. But then when I started to write this up, I just, there was nothing to be excited about DJ. I'm just like a little meh about him. I'm, but he was running back nine on a terrible team last year. So I got to think with the additions that he has, um, still having Larry Fitzgerald over there, Christian Kirk, adding Kyler Murray, the additions to the offensive line, uh, the new offensive minded coach over there. I got to think that these things are going to increase David Johnson's value and his opportunities. So if he finished, if he finished at running back nine with that terrible team, he has to finish better, right? Like, he, right? I don't yeah. know, maybe, I'm just, maybe I'm just trying to. Mm. I'm trying to convince myself at this point that no. he, has to, he has to finish higher. But I, <clears throat> I don't know. Now I'm now I'm kind of a little bit concerned about him after really no. and diving into it. No. So, on my original list, I had him ranked number eight. Okay. Uh, he finished number nine in fantasy. And on our list, he was number six. So to ask him to go from number nine to number six with all the points that you just made, I don't think it's really that crazy. I dove into some really deep stats on this uh, journey for this podcast. And I ranked him with every top 10 running back, plus a couple more running backs on top of that, to check their career stats and, and kind of look at some averages. He sneakily has been in the league for four years. I mean, he's been a little bit forgotten because he had last year, which quietly he was the number ninth, and then he had the season where he only only played one game, injured his wrist, was out for the rest of the year, and basically every fantasy owner that had him game one, he went out, they had a heart attack, and I felt bad for all of them. I didn't have him in any league. But so that for his career – what stands out uh, to me about him is that takes an account for even the games that he missed. He scored 31 touchdowns in four years rushing, and he's caught 11 touchdowns, okay, receiving in those four years. On average, he's still scoring freaking he's – he's scoring 11 touchdowns per season. The dude is a touchdown machine. Last year's head coach had no idea what he was doing. They didn't know how to use him. They didn't utilize him. Uh, his, his skills, the best on the team. The whole team was out of whack. I mean, it was so dysfunctional. They, I mean, they got rid of their first-round quarterback that they drafted with, like, the 12th overall pick to get Murray. They got rid of him. The offensive line has no choice but to go up. Last, last year's offensive line was just straight, horrible, aging veterans 
Jared Veld here, who's not there anymore. Mikey Yopati, who is seven years past his prime. They have no choice but to move up. And David Johnson is still a young buck. Um, he still has a lot in the tank. I do have him on my list as the seventh riskiest. So seventh out of 10. And the only thing that deters me from taking David Johnson is just the mixed bag of results. The injury is not his fault. Last year kind of scares you. But even with it being that horrible, he was still number nine. So I kind of get what you're saying. You're kind of feeling back and forth. But in my heart, your mind is scared because of what you've seen. But in your heart, if you really follow the stats, if you dive deep, I mean, he was ranked fifth on average. He's like the fifth best running back when it comes to rushing TD, sixth best at uh, receiving touchdowns, uh, receiving yards. He's ranked number sixth on average. I mean, this guy has some elite numbers. He's just been unfortunate to break a wrist and be on a terrible team last year. I think he's moving up. Sure. I, I mean, yeah, he finished nine. I mean, that's pretty good. It just, it's just not a Sneakily. lot. Yeah, no, no, no one really. Sneakily. There. Yeah. And I mean, he's, he's good. He's a good guy. I just, I'm not really excited about him like I am about some of these other running backs, but I'd be really, I, I think that I'd be really happy still getting him, um, especially kind of where he's going. This is the reason I'm excited about him because if you're excited about Larry Fitzgerald, which you are, and yep. a lot of people, a lot of people are, then you should be excited for him too. If you think the situation for for Larry Fitzgerald is going to get 150% better, then you have to assume the running game and specifically David Johnson is going to get better as well. And I truly believe that. I mean, sure. they were bottom of the barrel. They're moving up. Yeah, and I kind of think that's where I was at when I put him at four. Um, maybe just got down on a little bit. I don't know. We're going to be mi- – we're going to be mixing this up uh, all the way up to the season start. So, um, yeah, it'll be all right. All right. Enough with DJ David Johnson. All right. The next man on our list, ranked at number seven, is no other than Melvin Gordon. Um, on my original list, that's where I had him. I had him ranked number seven. Nate, you had him ranked just a little bit higher at number six. Let me hear about your boy, Melvin Gordon. Yeah, that, uh, that might have been a little bit of recency bias. I had him last year on a team, and he did really well for me. But Lucky. Yeah. No, he's, he's tough. Melvin Gordon's tough. He's currently holding out right now. That's a bad situation over there in San Diego. Or, yeah, L.A. Over there in L.A., I apologize. It's going to be tough for me to ever get used to that. But, That's right. Screw you, San Diegoans. You guys don't have a team. They're in L.A. now. Cry. Dang. Uh oh. I'm just kidding. It's all love, San Diego. I love you, San Diego. (laughs) Except the Padres. So, um, Melvin Gordon, though, the dude's a monster. In 12 games, he ran for 885 yards. Yeah, you got to remember, he only played 12 games last year. He caught 50 balls for 490 yards, and he had 14 total touchdowns. He finished running back seven in only 12 games. He had the least amount of games played for any of the top 10 running backs. He averaged 20.9 points per game. Only Saquon and Gurley averaged more points per game than him. His O-line ranked fifth in run blocking. They also ranked 12th in stuff percentage. Stuff percentages are runs that of uh, zero yards or negative yards at only 17% of the time. So he was only stuffed 17% of the time 
which is zero yard runs or negative carries. Um, that's, that's nuts. Uh, he had 5.1 yards per carry. Uh, that was the most out of any back over 175 carries. Um, in 12 games, his 10 touchdowns ranked sixth best. He was on pace for 66 receptions, 653 yards uh, through the air, 1,180 yards on the ground, and 200 – I mean, and 20 TDs. So, I mean, that's like 1,800 yards uh, total y- of offense and 20 touchdowns is what he was on pace for, which is just that's, ridiculous numbers. That's that's girly production right there. Oh, it is. It's girly production, and that was uh, in 12 games. It's a very big sample size. He's in a really good offense um, with uh, returning Phillip Rivers. The offensive line, like I said already, is solid. Um, Mike Williams is an up-and-coming talent. They yeah. had the dude over there, Keenan Allen. That dude's a monster. Uh, 111 receptions. 111 receptions. I mean, he's a reception king. He doesn't stretch the field much, but that's what they got Mike Williams for. Um, It's a fact that he is a top running back while on the field. Here's the only problem. It's very tough for him to stay on the field. Um, In the four four years that he's been in the league, he's only played 16 games one time. That's rough. (laughs) Only one time he's played 16 games, um, 12 games like I mentioned last year. Uh, sports injury predictor. Uh, this is a thing that uh, I see a lot of guys out there using as a sports injury predictor because you can't really predict injuries that well, but they take a lot of analytics, throw them all into their algorithm, and they come out with a prediction. And they predict 52% chance of him sustaining an injury. Um, they don't give the level of injury, but 52% chance that he's going to sustain an injury. And uh, they predict that he'll miss 2.5 games. So that's pretty rough. I mean, just right out the gate, 52% of the chance that he's going to be hurt and at least miss two and a half games so you don't have him there. Um, all of that said, man, I'd be really happy snagging Gordon. He's in a good offense, competitive team. That's the other thing that we've been harping on with uh, really good running backs and something that DJ is not going to have the liberty of having. Uh, he's, he's not on a good team. No, Melvin Gordon is on a great team. They're going to be competing for that division. Uh, it's it's kind of a wide open race. I, I know I, the Chiefs are good, but I mean it's I wide think open. they I think they win that division and I think they have one of the top three deepest teams. For sure. Yeah. Um they have a Bell Cow running back in uh in Melvin Gordon and he's a, he's also a threat through the air, which just gives him all these guys who have a it seems like every running back now is kind of becoming a threat through the air or at least any of these top running backs because it gives them such a safe floor to have, you know, three to five receptions a game. Uh, and soften the blow of not scoring a touchdown or something like that. And then we got to mention the other side of the ball. They have Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, maybe the best edge rushers in the entire league. Um, probably the best. No, they probably are, and they're going to be they're going to be really tough. They have uh, great defensive backs. Um, they're going to be putting Derwin James. Derwin, dude is a monster. I wish the Steelers would have that man. Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward is a monster. No, they're beasts. They're going to be a really good team. And they're going to be putting a lot of pressure on the edge, making big splash plays, giving them short fields to work with, a lot of opportunities to score touchdowns. No, I really love the situation that Melvin Gordon's in in L.A. Um, if he can stay on the field, and that is his only issue. What do, you, what do you think? I already mentioned this to you early, so I'm going to have to bring this back up again. One of the things that scares me about Melvin Gordon is I hate Tom Telesco. I do not think he's a very good owner in this sense that he doesn't take care of all of his star players. He made an awkward situation for LaDainian Tomlinson. And I, and I kind of see his point from that standpoint. They had their next uh, 
running they had Turner the burner they had to let him go they tried drafting the running back from Fresno State I can't even remember his name Ryan Ryan Matthews that's right Ryan Matthews they didn't take care of LaDainian Tomlinson when he still had some gas in the tank um they did the same thing with Rodney Harrison which was an idiot move they gave him to the Patriots and he helped win them a couple of those uh Super Bowls and then Nate what was the wide receiver that went to the Bucks? uh that was Vincent Jackson Vincent Jackson, he left and went to the Bucks, and I remember he signed a six-year, $66 million deal to go with the Bucks while he was still in his prime. The San Diego Chargers, their owner, I can't really – I see it from LA his Chargers. point of view. LA yeah, Chargers. Yeah. That's right. Sorry, San Diego. <laughs> I love you, San Diego. My bad. Uh, the thing is, is uh, their owner, he, he plays ball a certain way. So does like the Bengals owner. So, so do a lot of owners. They have their own little quips and he's not going to pay this guy value at what Melvin Gordon wants to get. And he's going to play hardball with them and he's not afraid to do it. Um, they were, their offense didn't miss a beat while he was out last year. Um, now that you were talking about his injuries and everything that you said, you might want to think about getting a handcuff with him if you do take him, which kind of scares me. Um, yeah, a lot of people but, are just talking about right now Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson being the um, number two. Yeah, the, well, no, the James Conner kind of last year. You remember Bell falls out, and then James Conner yeah. hops in, and everyone hops on Justin. I mean, not James Conner, and then they they ride him to championships because they got a freaking Bell cow running back in the waiver wire or in the last round. But a lot of people are really high on Justin Jackson right now. Um, I can see it. I can see adding him late. Um, he might be a wasted pick, but at that point, who cares? Another one is um, Austin Eckler. That dude, yes. um, no, he had a monster year last year too, catching the ball. And I can see him maybe taking some of the stuff away from from Melvin Gordon because that would what made him so good is uh, is all, all those touchdowns, obviously, and then catching the ball, like I mentioned. But if Eckler is taking some of that away from him, that's not going to be good either. And what if what if they have the uh, Gurley treatment, like I was saying with Gurley, where they're now take they're spelling him a little bit and putting Eckler, I mean not Eckler, that's, uh, Justin Jackson in there. That's that's the thing though. That's that's the thing I like about Melvin Gordon. That's what you already talked about, and that I just got to back you up on that point really quick. Their team is stacked. They got a stacked offensive line. They got Hunter Henry coming back. Their wide receivers are stacked. They're stacked at running back. They're stacked on defense. Okay, this team is a top three team in the NFL. Period. Talent-wise, doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl. Doesn't mean they're going to win their division. Doesn't mean any of that. It just means they have, they should. If the coaching is correct and everyone's getting along, they have a top team. And that's what kind of makes him a little bit of a safe pick is that he doesn't always have to carry the load. When he's in there, he's explosive. Another thing I want to add on is I profiled the hell out of him before he got drafted too because there was rumors that the Cowboys were going to draft him I watched him. This dude is fast, dude. He is a home run hitter. I mean, he's just a touchdown production every single year. This guy, he has a nose for scoring touchdowns, and I think he's going to continue to do it. If he stays healthy, he's a great pick. He won Nate $2,000 last year, so I can't really talk too much smack on this dude. Melvin Gordon's the man. Yeah, for sure. And he likes the, he likes the fantasy football community, kind of a – He's given a couple shout outs to him. He's apologized for injuries. He said he's going to come back and bring it. I, I mean, I've seen little interviews with him, so that's kind of cool as well that they actually care about us. They have the feels. Yeah. All right. Are we done with Gordon? 
done with Gordon. Flash Gordon. I'm I'm jealous because Nate gets to talk about this next dude. He is on, he is ranked number eight on our consensus uh, fantasy league. It's no, none other than James Conner. I actually had him ranked number ten, and uh, Nate had him ranked number seven. Uh, Nate, why would you take James Conner number seven? To be honest, I don't know if I would anymore. I might take him a little higher. Um, again, uh, made the list. I was felt good with Connor being there. It's going to be really hard for me to take him ahead of any of those guys I named already. But James can Con- I say something real quick? Sure. On my safe list, I have James Connor number four. Okay, we got Barkley number one. Okay, CMC number two, Camara number three, and then I'm taking James Connor over Le'Veon Mixon. David Johnson, Zeke, Gordon, and Gurley because of holdout injuries and just proven production and uh, their offensive line. I'm going to let you jump back into it, but I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. I love James Conner, and uh, this guy's a safe pick. This guy's a beast, and Nate's about to drop it. Yeah, we, we were talking about it. Like I said, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time, and we were talking about James Conner, and I was just talking about how excited I was getting about James Conner. Um, his current ADP is pick 11. Seventh running back off the board, which I think is a pretty – it's a steal. Uh, Connor had a breakout sophomore season because Lev Bell decided not to play football in 2018. Um, that's kind of the situation we were talking about with uh, Justin Jackson over in L.A. He possibly could be in that situation, but he is nowhere the talent of uh, James Connor. In 13 games, Connor ran for 973 yards. He added 473 yards through the air and 13 total touchdowns. That's 1,440 total yards, and that was only in uh, 13 games, like I said. And a lot of people, the big like, kind of knock this year on James Conner has been, um, A, he can't catch the ball, maybe Jalen Samuels, because they saw Jalen Samuels come in and do really well in that Steelers offense. Um, that maybe he'll take some of those uh, passing downs. They have the new running backs coach there that was a former coach from North Carolina, the running backs and, and a tight end coach. That's where Jalen Samuels went to college. So a lot of people are speculating that Jalen Samuels might really uh, start taking from James Conner. I'm not on that. I'm not on board with that. And I'll kind of explain it a little bit later in this, uh, in this portion, but uh, Conner had 73 targets and 55 receptions in just 13 games. Um, Samuels is a good pass catcher. Um, but he's limitability at rushing, and the Steelers have always kind of had a, a bell cow backfield. They, I mean, bell, yeah, bell cow backfield. They never really split it. As long as I can remember watching Steelers football, I mean, the only time I can even think of it was uh, way back in the day, Amos Zeraway and uh, Chris Fuamatu Maafala, if people can remember that. But other than that, I don't see them ever having a split backfield, unless you kind of count Jerome Bettis and Fastwood Parker. But that was even a different regime. So not concerned. Ta- Ma- Mike Tomlin – uh, era, they have only had feature backs. So uh, that was Le'Veon Bell and um, they had Rashard Mendenhall and some other guys. Um, so uh, because of the late season injury, though, I think people are forgetting how good James Conner actually was last year. Like before he got hurt, people were saying uh, Le'Veon Bell who? I mean, they were just forgetting about him. And that's a huge statement to make because Le'Veon Bell was amazing in the years that he was in Pittsburgh. And that, I mean, for them to be able to kind of forget about him or even compare his stats. And, so, and the stats were even better at, at, on some points. Um, Connor was outproducing Bell. They're not the same time of running back. And I'm not saying that James Connor is a better talent, but 
but I'm saying that he was outproducing him and people forget that because of the, the injury, you know, they kind of just kind of, he fell off into uh, obscurity. So in 13 games, he finished the season as running back six, which I think is amazing. Um, so now we're going to come out with the big word. I extrapolated his stats for 16 games. Extrapolated is just a big word for kind of saying um, I broke it down for 16 games. Uh, he had a le- he would have had 1196 yards on the ground, 610 yards through the air, 16 touchdowns, and that would have been if you break those stats down, that would have been good enough for running back four. Um, he averaged 21.5 points per game. That was good for six best. Six best. I mean, remember I went back to DJ. I think DJ was averaging 15 points a game. This man is averaging a whole six points uh, higher than DJ. So that's really good. Um, really, after like looking at it, I was kind of down on James Conner. Um, I have him way lower than – I mean, maybe seven is not way low, but I have him pretty low on my list. And then after like breaking down the stats and looking at all this stuff, nothing has really changed. Um, the Steelers still have – uh, all of the returning starters besides Marcus Gilbert, who went to the uh, the Cardinals. But Marcus Gilbert was hurt last year a little bit, and he also got suspended the year prior. So, and they, so they've been using people out at right tackle anyway, so it's not really that big of a change. But otherwise, they, have, they still are going to have Marquise Pouncey, who is an all-pro center, and David Castro, another all-pro guard, some regard as one of the top guards in the league. Um, so all four of those guys are returning. Um, ben, he threw for more yards last year than he ever has in his career. He was the all time. I mean, he was the passing leader last year. Um, so he's still going to keep defenses honest. The only big thing that kind of could have changed and people can and speculate on would be Antonio Brown leaving, but I'm not, I'm not going to be naive and say that Antonio Brown isn't going to, going to affect this team, but I don't think he affects James Conner's production. If anything, he may, it may help his production a little bit because he's going to get more targets um, they may run the ball a little bit more and they won't get as pass happy, but Ben's still going to keep teams honest. And Juju is a dynamic wide receiver out there. It's not the, like they have any scrubs and they can just stack the box now. No, the, the Steelers offensive game is still going to be dynamic. Um, so I'm not concerned about that at all. They're still going to have the offensive scheme, the same offensive scheme. The Steelers like to come out, pound the ball down your throat and, you know, balance, balance that with the passing game. Um, as of late, they've kind of passed the ball more than they ran, but it still gives them great situations to run the ball. They like to run the ball down near the goal line because Ben has a tendency to throw interceptions. So I'm not concerned about that at all. The only two guys that are behind him are Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell. Um, Jalen Samuels, he's a, a sophomore running back, not scared. He's kind of a, a guy more I would figure that they're going to find a niche for. You know, kind of like you were talking about Tariq Cohen uh, last, last week's episode. Um, they're going to kind of – he's not going to eat into um, Connor's touches. I think they're going to find maybe a niche for him to kind of fit into. Um, and then Benny Snell. Benny Snell, I mean, he's a rookie running back. I have no idea what he's going to bring to the table. I'm not super concerned. I think he's more, he's more of the backup. He's not the guy that's going to spell him. I think he brings similar attributes to James Connor. so not really concerned about that either. And then uh, his health, I mean, that would, I guess would be the only thing. Um, I, I, everyone knows that he fought cancer, um, beat cancer in college, came out to get drafted, smashed last year. Um, so a healthy, a healthy James Conner, those guys are just his backups, not concerned at all. Drafting him number seven, at least maybe moving Gordon down or DJ a little bit. I don't know, but seven right now, 
um, I would feel like very comfortable having uh, James Conner on my team. What do you think, James, about James? Can <laughs> can uh, can you repeat uh, his stats from last year one more time, real quick? Yeah. Um, so James Conner had 973 yards on the ground, 473 yards through the air, and 13 touchdowns. I believe he had 55 receptions. So, like I like I said on the last guy, I did some advanced stats on each running back that was on this list. Le'Veon Bell, over his five-year career, averaged 1,067 rushing yards uh, for a 4.3 average and seven touchdowns on the ground, 62 receptions for 532. So the stats that you just read off right now, they, they're especially if he was healthy. This, is, this takes into account four injuries, but he's right there. I mean, I remember just being like, wow. I was fortunate enough to get him in one league. Um, I'm in a fantasy football league with one of my brother-in-laws. I help him draft. And uh, as soon as everyone re- realized that Love Bell um, was going to be out the whole season, you all, you could almost guarantee you're going to be in the playoffs, if not the championship game, if you pick this guy up. And it wasn't because he ran; he he barely put any production in. It's because he had a huge freaking year. Um, offensive line got some big names on the offensive line right there, but I think more importantly, out of I watch a lot of Steeler games because Nate is a Steelers fan and I pay attention to him because I like talking football with Nate, especially during the season. I think their offensive line is one of their better units that have just stuck together through the years. They don't always have the big names that are going to get you excited or even pro bowlers, but they do have a couple all pros and they're just very cohesive. If you watch their games, man, their offensive line, like I said, I think is the tightest position group that they have. No matter what the talent is, they always play together. They play good. They opened up holes for him in the same way that they did for Bell, and he took advantage of that. He's no bum out of the backfield. He catches a lot of balls for a lot of yards. He basically stepped in and and almost put up the exact same stats that Lev Bell did. And and we're talking about Le'Veon Bell. If you've been playing fantasy for a while or even paying attention to fantasy at all, Love Bell is fantasy gold, or at least he was gold uh, when he was with the Steelers. And to say that this guy stepped in and they didn't miss a beat, I mean, you're saying a huge thing. Um, I do agree with the whole thing with AB. I mean, that does have to maybe put a little bit more pressure on him. I know that Big Ben is still going to get his and kind of back off the defense. But, I mean, AB – is the best wide receiver in the NFL during his time with the Steelers. And I don't know a lot of other wide receivers. You could argue with that. No, you can't uh, replace, you can't replace uh, Antonio Brown, um, but they're going to have to find a replacement for that. He had 163 targets um, on the Steelers last year. So somebody's going to have to catch those balls and it's not going to be, it's not going to be the wide receiver that they have on the team, James Washington, um, or uh, Ryan Switzer, you know, those aren't they're they're going to take up some of them, but some of those receptions it's, are going to go to the running back or Jalen Samuels. That that was my point with Kamara, and it's the same point with with this guy. Kamara's missing Mark Ingram, and the question is is does he wear out people? Does he wear out the defense? And the Kamara benefits from that. 
you know, people are going to be asking the same questions. Is it going to be the chicken or the egg? Is he going to benefit because he gets more opportunities or is he going to suffer because Brown's not there anymore? And I, I think you're right. It's the same thing as Kamara. I think he's going to benefit from it because he's going to get more targets and he's proven to everybody last year that when he gets those targets, he's fantasy gold. Like I said, I have him as my fourth safest running back. This guy is safe. It's safe written all over it. We know what the Steelers are going to do. Nate already talked about it. I don't even need to repeat it. He's a safe pick, and you're going to be fortunate enough to get him probably in the late first, early second, but keep this guy on your radar. He's moving up my draft boards. I would take him fourth overall running back. I mean, maybe not as high as you have him, Nate, but I, I love James Conner and what he can bring to this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of where he falls after I um, put in the wide receivers there, where he falls in the um, first round or late second or wherever he falls on my draft board. But you know, I was super excited about James Conner. There was a top 100. Um, I love watching that. I mostly like watching the top 100 to see what the players say about the players. And uh, Miles Garrett, the uh, uh, defensive lineman for the Browns, he was uh, – he said, James, James Conner, that's a man's running back. And that, that was kind of cool, I think, uh, especially a guy that, you know, is on the Browns. I mean, that's a division rival. So it was a cool thing. All right. Heard enough about James Conner. Nate, this is your last guy. He's number nine on our combined list. I had him ranked number six. You had him ranked – where did you have him ranked? Outside the top 10? Yeah, he was 11. You had him ranked number 11. So yeah, even in my you're top gonna be You're going to be bashing this mofo, and I'm going to be asking, what's going on? Why do you got Lev Bell at number 11? What's wrong with you? Tell me why. Well, if you follow our Instagram page, I threw this up as like a, <laughs> a uh, bust or a uh, – a bold prediction. No, that's what I called it. Bold prediction. And I'm, I'm not going to say that Le'Veon Bell is going to be a bust. He's going to get way too much volume to be a bust. But I'm not high on him. And uh, here's a couple reasons why. Um, so his average draft position currently is eight overall per fantasy football calculator. He's hey, a, real quick. Yep. Is, is, it, is it because he's on the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets? That could be it. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> He's a running back six. You get him the sixth running back off the board. Um, I just don't buy it. I'm not buying the hype. A lot of people are saying he's coming back. He's coming back strong. He missed that one year. That's only going to help him. There's a lot of weird things people are saying, but I've never seen that really help a running back or a player at all. <clears throat> people are drafting this man like he'll be a stealer in 2019, and he's not. He's going to be – it's going to be a rude awakening to find out that you're running back one Place for the J E T S Jets 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 Jets. Oh, it, that's t- terrible. I mean, I I don't sleep well at night putting my head on the pillow knowing my running back one place for the Jets. They haven't had a good running back since Curtis Martin or something. I don't know. I mean, they they're terrible. So, um, I totaled. This, this is something I did. I totaled every Jets running backs fantasy from 2018. So I took all the numbers from all the Jets running backs, adding them up. And it was 266 points. That would have been good for only running back nine out of all of the Jets running backs. That's all the rushing attempts. That's all the carries. That's not what Le'Veon Bell is going to get. He's going to get a ton of them, um, and he's going to get the majority for sure, but he's not going to get all of them. And that was only running back nine. 
The Jets' uh, offensive line was ranked dead last in run blocking in 2018. Yeah, dead last in run blocking. The Jets' running backs were stuffed. um, So their stuffed ranking, uh, zero or negative yards, was 26% of the time. So one out of every four rushes, they're getting stuffed. That's terrible as well. That was also 32nd in the league. As a comparison, the Steelers running backs were only getting stuffed 15% of the time, which was fifth in the league. Um, with Bell's patient running style, that could spell trouble. I mean, I could smell trouble for um, – I mean, everyone knows kind of Le'Veon Bell kind of runs a little upright, sits in the hole for a long time, makes crazy – or makes uh, like really decisive decisions, and then um, hits the hole hard. That's kind of his running style. That works when you have a really good Pittsburgh offensive line who are keeping holes open for a long time or at least keeping those defenders from hitting him in the backfield. But they're obviously getting hit in the backfield 26% of the time. Um, so that's not going to be a running style that Le'Veon Bell is going to have the luxury of doing. He's going to either have to adjust or the, or the Jets are going to have to get better. Um, then Adam Gase. Adam Gase was vocal um, when he got into town that Bell not, might not be his guy and even discussed possibly trading him. Uh, this ended up dying down and, you know, as it has to because – they knew that they weren't going to be able to move Le'Veon Bell at that point. But Adam Gase, when he got to town, he, he was vocal that he didn't like the contract that they gave him. He didn't like tying up that much money into one player. Um, he, just, he was kind of unhappy with it. Gase has also had a history of moving away from Bell Cow running backs. As an offensive coordinator at, or as a head coach since 2013, only Matt Forte repeated as the team's leading rusher. So I wouldn't be in, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get other backs involved, like Elijah McGuire, Ty Montgomery, which they added, Trenton Cannon. Um, he, he's done it in the past with uh, last year getting um, Kalen Bellage involved and kind of pushing away a running back that a lot of people thought was a lot better. Then they add a new offensive coordinator. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's, it's uh, Dow Loggins, I believe. Um, he was the offensive coordinator with Gase over in Miami. Um, so – Adding Dow Loggins is kind of a new offense for Sam Darnold, and he's going to have to learn that. And we also seen that they, the Miami Dolphins weren't this dynamic running team. They weren't this dynamic offense. They weren't blowing people off the boards. Um, so with Loggins, a former Dolphins, Dolphins offensive coordinator, I don't believe Gase is an offensive mastermind like they think he's going to be. Um, I mean, let's just be honest about this. Le'Veon Bell is in a bad situation. He's going to get a ton of volume, so he has, a, I believe, a really high floor. Um, he's going to be fed the ball. He's going to be throwing the ball a lot, but I just don't see him getting a lot of touchdown opportunities. He has a really low ceiling for me. That's why I could see him falling outside of the top ten, and honestly, I'm not taking him um, with any of those picks. I, would, I can't see myself having very many shares of Le'Veon Bell at all. What do you think about uh, your man, Le'Veon Bell? I know you had him at at six, so you, you had a b- way better uh, outlook on Bell than I did, but what do you think about him? Let me let me give you some of my thoughts, all right? So I keep mentioning my safe list, right? I have Le'Veon as my fifth safest running back to take right now, and this is why. And it could change. Nate mentioned it before. It's going to change before the season starts. You got to watch these situations that we're talking about, okay? But I have Barkley, number one. CMC number two, Kamara number three, James Conner number four. Those are all safe picks. You're going to get production. They're going to be great no matter what. I have Le'Veon number five, okay? I have him ranked ahead of Mixon. 
because Le'Veon's been in the league for five years. He has proven production. Mixon had one good year. He's been in the league two years. David Johnson's a question mark. We already talked about that early. Eight is Zeke. Zeke is freaking in a world of hurt with all the controversy he's starting right now and his stupid decisions. Gordon's in a holdout as well. And who knows if Gurley is healthy or not. That's why I'm high on Le'Veon. I still think he's safe. I think he's really safe. And, and this is why. Okay. Oh, he is safe. I mean, I, I, that's kind of what, I mean, he's safe, but I just think that that's why I said that his floor is so high. He has a really high floor, but I just like a really low ceiling. Like you just kind of know what you're going to get out of him. If, listeners out there, if there's any way you can get a hold of Adam Gase, can you please get me his phone number so I can call him and talk to him? I don't care what he says about it being a bad contract and yada, yada, yada. I get it. All right. <clears throat> it's it's done. It's over with. You have one of the most dynamic playmakers in all of football. Not just running back, not wide receiver. I'm talking about overall. He is debatably the the top offensive weapon he's been in the league. And it, Adam Gase, you need to wake up. Okay, if if you try to, you can't do a two running back system with this guy. And and I don't think it's going to happen. I get Adam Gase. I don't believe in Kenyon Drake. I've never believed in any of the Miami running backs since they had uh, Ricky running Williams. Uh, I don't believe in anything that, that happened in Miami. That, that is a troubled organization that is trying to right their ship right now. But you that the Jets, organization, you think the Jets are a better organization? I think the Jets have a lot more they have a, they have a lot more draft capital. They've invested in their defensive line. They've arguably gotten the top defensive lineman in two drafts and Leonard Williams and the kid that just came out of Alabama last year. Um, well, they I wish have, they would have been getting their offensive line. <laughs> I, I get it. They got Jamal Adams, who is regarded as top three safety in the league. Their defense is legit. They just signed C.J. Mosley. Okay. They're solid on that side of the ball. And I know their offensive line was garbage last year. And it, I, I didn't research them, so I don't know what direction their offensive line is going this year. But even if it's garbage, man, Le'Veon Bell, let me give you some averages real quick. Le'Veon Bell, for his career, okay, has 1,229 rushing attempts, 5,336 rushing yards, 4.3 average, 35 rushing TDs, 312 catches, 2,660 yards, and seven touchdowns. He averages over 1,000. He does 1,067 rushing yards a year. He averages seven rushing touchdowns a year. He averages 62 receptions a year for 532 yards and about one and a half touchdowns. He is Mr. Consistent, and he's going to be the focal piece of their offense. He's going to make the quarterback's life a lot easier. He, like you said, he has a really uh, low floor, and, and that's why I love him. I just think he's safe. I think you know what you're going to get out of him production-wise. I still think he finds a way. He's that talented. He could be a slot receiver. He could be a running back. He can give you whatever you need on offense. He can throw the ball. I mean, he's that damn talented. That's why I love Le'Veon. No, I've loved your averages that you put out for all these other guys. I mean, I think it's really relative, but this one, just not because the, the Steelers, I mean, he did all of that with the Steelers, and we saw what the Steelers' running backs can do. James Conner stepped in. He's a talented running back, and he did well. Yeah. Uh, D'Angelo Williams did it a couple of years ago. Nate. 
and they ran into this guy, Fitzgerald Toussaint. He, the dude ran, <laughs> and no one's even heard of this man, Fitzgerald Toussaint, and he was able to run behind that line. And then they brought out Jalen Samuels last year. The offensive line is really if, good. The scheme's really good. And they had Ben Roethlisberger, not Sam Darnold. And then let's name any other wide receivers outside of Robbie Anderson. I can, it's trash. I could say I could I could say the same thing about Zeke though. I could say the same thing about Zeke because they took Darren McFadden, who was a straight bum, and made him a thousand yards rusher. Uh, they no, you can't. Made... That's what. No, you can say the same thing about Zeke, and that's that's cool. But because you're drafting Zeke behind that offensive but line but, in the system. But that's my thing, though. I think uh, I think well, I've proven that Zeke is a is an elite runner on his own, even with the offensive line. So is he. He's an elite runner. I mean, he's he's that talented. You know how talented he is, Nate. No, I know is. you know no, this. He, no, he's a beast. He's he's a, he's a really good running back. He's just in a really really bad situation. Sucks that he went to the Jets. Yeah, it sucks. He chased the money like an idiot. I mean, it's a great situation for the Steelers because they've got James Conner, who's great on a cheap contract. Jets just paid out of the butt for this dude, and he's on the Jets. I wish he would have went to the Colts or he went to the Patriots. He went somewhere where they were going to really find a way to utilize him. He would be way higher on this list for me. Sure. No, no, he definitely would, but he's on a terrible team. And he also has an injury history that people aren't I mean, don't want to forget about. He does. He's hurt his knee. And, and um, a suspension history. Yeah, yeah two suspensions. <laughs> Can't stay off the marijuana. So, no. Uh, I don't know. Okay, enough about Bell. We could talk all night about Le'Veon. Ring my bell. Yeah, I had to get in there. All right. Now we're moving on to the consensus pick number 10. This is our last one on our consensus rankings. We have a couple other guys maybe we'll mention that we're on our uh, top 10. But – as a consensus pick, number 10, Joe Mixon. Uh, Joe Mixon was number nine for Boogie Borges over there, and he was number 10 straight up for me. So uh, he ended up averaging out as uh, number 10. This is the um, second AFC North running back over here. Um, and James is going to break this down for his last running back breakdown. All right. So let's talk about Joe Mix, son. Okay. He's number 28, plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's six foot one, 237 pounds. That's a big boy, all right? He ran a 4-4-5-40 time. He's only 23 years old. This is a young, big, fast buck. He was drafted in 2017, round number two, pick number 48 out of Oklahoma. And he fell in the draft because he had some pre-draft issues that I'm not even going to go in. Um but he fell in the draft. He, he, where he was drafted, he should have been a first-round pick. He's that type of talent. Unfortunately, he has some off-the-field issues. His 2018 stats, he played in 14 games, 237 rushes, 1,168 yards, eight touchdowns for an average of 4.9. He had 43 receptions for 296 yards, 6.9 average, and one touchdown. He had nine total TDs. 1,464 total yards. He was number nine in yards after contact, 613 total yards. So he was ranked in the top 10. He was making yards for himself, both receiving and running. 45.7 of his rush yards came after contact. This guy, this guy loves contact, and he gets the yards after contact. All right, we're going to jump into their offensive line. Their left tackle is Cordy Glenn. 
uh, they traded a first round pick to the Bills. Uh, that's how bad and how desperate they were for left tackle help. Um, he is serviceable, serviceable at best. He's not an all pro. He's not a pro bowler. He's a decent left tackle. At left guard, they got John Jerry, the old veterano, uh, the wily old vet. He played on the Giants. He's now uh, their left guard. They, uh, 2018, they, they, they chose their center in the first round, Billy Price. He was in the first round, 21st overall pick out of Ohio State. He got injured a little bit last year, um, but they are very high on this kid. Their right guard is Alex Redman. He's undrafted. Not much about him. Their right tackle, Bobby Hart, was a seventh-round pick. Their offensive line still needs to be worked out. I went, on, I went onto their website. I read all I could about their offensive line, and this was the only offensive line that I researched where they couldn't tell you who their top five starters were going to be. Um, so it was a little bit confusing. I wrote down what I could. But basically, I came to the conclusion that their offensive line still needs to be worked out. Um, what are your first initial thoughts on him, Nate? Um, Joe Mixon, he, obviously talented. I just keep getting this feeling that he's kind of getting tossed into that into that number uh, 10 spot by a lot of people because that's kind of where he's getting drafted all around. He's getting drafted at that 10 spot, maybe a little bit higher on some people's boards. Um, I am a little bit concerned with him, him a uh, new regime in there. You know, Marv Lewis is no longer strolling around. I mean, um, I don't know, man. I, I'm just kind of a little bit concerned about the situation. He has to play some good teams over there in the AFC North. The Steelers have been stacking up for a while at defense. Uh, the, the Ravens are always tough. Uh, the Browns have stacked up over there. It's not going to be – there's not a gimme game over there where he's just going to smash people. The talent level level is obviously there. He's probably one of the most talented running backs to come out. I love the fact that he's a three down back. There's no doubt about that. Gio Bernard, who's a talented running back. He's not going to be stealing any carries from him over there um, just because of his capabilities in the receiving game. No, I'm, I'm really happy. I, the AJ green injury also concerns me. That's a recent thing that happened. I know Tyler Boyd was okay over there, but AJ green, um, he really stretched the field, allowed teams not to really get up on top of them. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. I like the points that you just made. I want to go over some, some, some of the things that are good and maybe some of the things that are de- deterring me from taking him. First of all, there's no more Marvin Lewis. Rest in peace, Marvin Lewis. Your NFL head coaching career is finally over, over a long and just horrible career. Uh, dude was so vanilla, man. And this is part of something that plagued Joe Mixon. Um, his first year, he had to compete with Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard, even though he was the greater talent last year. Um, he, he only played in 14 games. He was injured for a couple games, uh, but they did split a little bit more with Giovanni Bernard. Um, I don't think that's going to happen this year. And the reason I don't think that's going to happen is because their new head coach is Zach Taylor. Um, he comes from the Sean McVay coaching tree. Uh, Sean McVay already have a coaching tree? He already has a coaching tree. And it's this guy right here, Zach Taylor. That's wild. He was the L.A. Rams QB coach. So he wasn't like an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. He was just freaking the quarterback coach. And they're 
Yeah, everyone wants a piece of that team right now for sure. And that kind of gets me a little excited because he watched uh, Sean McVay use Todd Gurley as one of the ultimate weapons. And I think he's going to see the value in that, especially being a first time head coach. You got to rely on your playmakers. And like you said, he's a three down back. So I think he's going to be featured in their offense. I think Zach Taylor is going to take advantage of him. Uh, One sneaky stat that I found that I liked that might shock a lot of people is he led the AFC in rushing last year. (laughs) Did you know that? Oh, that is wild. I didn't didn't know that. He led the AFC. He only had 1,168 yards. But being that he was hurt for two games, being that in the beginning of the year, he probably had to share with Giovanni Bernard a little bit more than what he wanted to, and he's not going to be doing that anymore. I mean, his stats are close to James Conner in a way. They are. He has more rushing yards than him. He played in one more game. James Conner stands out because he's a way better wide receiver, but I think this guy's going to have a lot more opportunities. I don't think they're going to pull him off the field and put Gio Bernard in there to catch balls anymore. I think Zach Taylor is going to work this guy to death. You mentioned that A.J. Green was hurt. I already have that down on here. Um, When I read over his stats and – all the information I could find. They said he did have a slight drop in production, but not that much. Um, I mentioned before they have Giovanni, who's a scat back, and he did fill in nicely when he got injured. Um, but, but only behind him, they have this guy named Travion Williams they just drafted in the sixth round. This guy's a first-round talent. He's going to be their featured back. He's going to be the focal part of their offense. Nate mentioned this, and this does scare me. I wrote down brutal, tough division. Got to play the Steelers, who have a stacked front seven and who've been upgrading their secondary. You have the Ravens that lost a lot of players, but they also um, added a couple of um, legendary Hall of Fame players like Earl Thomas uh, they lost C.J. Mosley, but I think they're kind of kind of offset on defense. Their defensive uh, line is still stacked. You got to go it's against kinda, the- yeah, It's kind of crazy. That team it seems to always lose players, and they just find another player to fill in, and, and they're still always good. The defense – I can't remember the last time the Ravens' defense wasn't good. Seriously. Um, and then you got to play the Browns, who are the paper champs right now, man. They've got a stacked defense over there, too. They have uh, Miles Garrett. They've got a shutdown secondary. They've got young linebackers. I mean, it is a brutal division, but Nate taught me this a long time ago. You never take your superstars out. If you do that, you're making a mistake. So even though I'm saying this, if I was to draft this guy, I'm playing him every single week. Oh, yeah, no, he's a he's not ma- – he's matchup proof, I think. I mean, he's going um, to – it's great to draft a player when you think – and you should be getting a guy who's matchup proof in the first round. And, and um, that – target or the second round wherever you're take wherever he's falling and that's where i have him on my list i have him six safest i mean you the only people in front of him are barkley cmc kamara james connor and Levion. and then i have mixon mixon's my next dude i can trust him that you know he's young this is going to be his third year he's going to be the feature back he's not holding out he doesn't have injury history um He's on the up and up in his production. It hasn't been back and forth. There's a reason why he wasn't productive his rookie year. I like this guy. Yeah, no, and I think it would kind of, it might be pretty cool to see, like, 
you, know, you get Joe Mixon if you're at like the 12th pick or something like that. You know, you get Joe Mixon and you can turn it around and grab a wide receiver like Juju Schuster or um, or you know just somebody like that. You could really stack with these guys, and you'll have the upside of a running a good running back one, um, and still get a good wide receiver one. Seems like a good spot to be in. All right, so now we're gonna break this down. Jimmy's going to roll off the, his top 10 and my top 10, just so you have them in order real quick. And then we're going to wrap this thing up. So, James. All right. So, my top 10 was Zeke, Gurley, Saquon, Kamara, CMC, Lev Bell, Gordon, D. Johnson, Mixon, Connor. Nate's top 10 was Zeke, CMC, Saquon, D. Johnson, Kamara, Gordon, Connor, Gurley, Williams, and mix in um, honorable mentions real quick. We had Williams from the chiefs. He was uh, factored in there when we were making our top 10 for net consensus uh, 11. I think he was at right. Yeah. He was 11th for net was 12th. We had Chubb 13th, Henry 14th and cook 15th. So which Henry could be falling down the list. Everyone be aware of that. That Henry injury could be lingering. Um, he definitely falling down the list. So even though we talked about the top 10, there's still going to be a uh, talent out there, but we could talk about that on a different day. I just want to take a second to thank everybody who's, who's taken time out of their day to uh, listen to our podcast. Me and Nate both work full-time jobs, two different industries, and we put a lot of time and effort into finding all this information and sharing the fantasy truth and giving us, giving out our uh, honest opinion and we dedicate hours to this every single week. So everyone that listens, that shares, I just want to say thank you. Uh, yeah, I'd like to say thank you too. And I'm not going to apologize. I know you guys are going to hear my daughter in the in the in the uh, podcast a couple times. I'm, I'm going to try. I mean, there's going to be some that's edited out, but she's going to pop in there, and uh, I'm not apologizing for her because because she is uh she's a shit, my baby girl. So uh, thank you all. For listening, follow us on uh, Instagram. It's at Fantasy on Tap. Um, we're, th- we're throwing out some fire information over there, spitting the fantasy truth. Thanks again for listening. Bye. Peace.